I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast live uh, part of, of course, the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeu, and on this edition of the show, we're going to be bringing you the latest regarding Mikhailo Mudrik. The Gunners apparently locked in talks for the Ukrainian winger with his current club, Shakhtar Donetsk. But has there been any progress as of yet. We're going to talk uh, Mudrik. We're also going to talk Yuri Tielemans after it emerged yesterday that Arsenal are planning, supposedly, to launch a bid for the Belgian this January. We're also going to discuss Charles Watts' update with regards to who is and who isn't available for Arsenal's friendly against Juventus at Emirates Stadium on Saturday evening. Uh, big hello to everybody in the live chat. Hope you're all good. Uh, getting lots of stick, as always, for being late. But you know the drill by now. I don't know how many times I have to say it. Uh, big hello to Creambone, uh, to Archituthis, uh, to Glenn. Have I said that right? I don't even know. Uh, to Temi, to Lynn, uh, to Mint, to Chris. Um, here, this is the best one. Uh, he's late again. This bloke, good thing we don't fly him over to drop the crystal ball in Times Square on New Year's Eve. We'd be yelling Happy New Year five minutes late. Well, good job I don't do that. It's not in my job description. Uh, <laughs> good hello. Uh, big hello, sorry, to Wilson, uh, to the Fort Lauderdale Guna Craig, uh, to Gangle, to Mint, to Babboy, to James, um, to Marco, to JSN as well. Hope you are all well. Thank you all for coming along. If I could just ask before I forget, um, please do leave a like on the video. Please do subscribe to the channel if you're new as well. It really, really does help. And uh, of course, yeah, if you are subscribing, you're helping us. You're helping us get closer to that target that we are so very tantalizingly close to. We want to get to 25,000. Um, we're less than 50 subs away now, I think, which is pretty damn good, pretty good going. Uh, so thank you all for your efforts over the last uh, week or so, because there's been a huge pickup in that period of time. Let me see. Yep. You know what? We're only 40 subs away, 40, 40. So if you haven't subscribed and you are a regular viewer, because I know a lot of you still watch that aren't subscribed. It's weird. I can see it on the stats. It's like, what are you doing? There's still over 60% of our viewership that are not subscribed. And what are you waiting for? Get involved. Leave a like, subscribe to the channel. It all helps. Anyway, let's get into this Mikhailo Mudrik stuff. It isn't going to be a long episode uh, today. I don't want to repeat the same stuff over and over again. And I'm conscious that it is Friday night and people have stuff to do and uh, stuff that's probably better than listening to me uh, rumble on about the Arsenal. We will be back, of course, tomorrow and we'll be discussing uh, that game against Juventus, which is coming up. So there'll be another piece of content coming your way then. And then, of course, on Sunday, uh, we'll be talking World Cup final as well and any other Arsenal news that breaks between now and then. Right, let's do Mikhailo Mudrik because by all accounts, the talks are ongoing. By all accounts, Arsenal are in pole position at the moment to sign the Ukrainian. Arsenal are the ones leading the race for his signature. But there have been a couple of different reports doing the rounds, not just today, but yesterday as well, that kind of contradict one another. And I just want to discuss those with you guys and share with you my opinion and my view on this. Now, it is just my opinion and it is just my view. So the first uh, bit that I wanted to share with you was that Arsenal could potentially get this deal done 
for 50 million euros there or thereabouts. That was something uh, that was uh, reported uh, just yesterday. Let me bring uh, that piece up one second so I can tell you exactly where it came from. Was it Dimarzio? I want to say it was Dimarzio. Um, it was Dimarzio who came out, I think, and said basically that the talks are ongoing, that Shakhtar are looking for around about 50 million euros and then they would allow Mikhailo Mudrik to move on. The players made it pretty clear that he wants to go, that Arsenal is his preferred destination. And so Shakhtar, as long as they get their price, are not going to stand in his way. They recognise the guy's potential. They recognise the guy's level. I've said to you guys all along that you can almost dismiss Shakhtar's claims of wanting 100 million euros at the outset, claiming that, you know, well, he's more talented than Jack Grealish. He went for 100 million pounds. So we want something similar. You can you can forget about that. I am certain that Shakhtar Donetsk don't have, um, you know, intentions of, of holding out for that much. You know why? Because nobody's going to pay it. Let's be completely honest. Jack Grealish was the captain of Aston Villa. You had to pay a lot of money to get him away from the club that he loves, the club that he grew up at, and the club for whom he was the talisman. He was the one carrying that side. Mikhailo Mudrik is a lot of those things to Shakhtar Donetsk, but this is not the Premier League. There isn't that Premier League premium. There isn't that English player in the Premier League premium either when it comes to Mikhailo Mudrik. And we talked about Shakhtar's issues before. Um, of course, none of which are of their own making. We're talking about a country that's currently at war. So the circumstances are very, very difficult. And Shakhtar, who are playing their games, uh, you know, in a foreign country, in Europe at least, will feel that they can't turn down such a significant amount of money. We'll feel that it will be wrong to turn that down. We'll feel that if they do turn the likes of 50, 60 million euros down, even if some of that is paid over in instalments, they will feel like they are jeopardizing the future of their football club. Okay, that's that's the way it goes. Um, that's the way it is. And I think that people who sit there and say that, you know, Arsenal are going to have to pay 100 million euros to get this deal done. I think they're mad because it's not going to happen. Arsenal are not going to pay 100 million euros to sign Mikhailo Mudrik. Okay, if that's the case, you might as well forget about this deal. It's not going to happen. Move on to somebody else. I've also read reports um, suggesting that Arsenal are going to have to break their transfer record, which currently stands at £72 million, obviously, having signed Nicolas Pepe uh, from French football when they did. Really? We're not going to pay more than £72 million for Mikhailo Modric. We're definitely not going to pay £100 million, and we're definitely not going to pay £72 million. We are not going to pay anywhere near that for Mikhailo Modric. And I assure you, if Arsenal thought that that was the only price that was going to get the player out. If Arsenal believed that a deal couldn't be done for less than that, then they wouldn't be in these negotiations. Arsenal have rarely gone over the £50 million mark on players ever since they signed uh, Nicolas Pepe. I don't even think they have gone over it. You know, it's been, they've been there or thereabouts, you know, slightly over maybe. But yeah, it's, um, it, yeah, it's not happening. Arsenal are not going to go and break their transfer record to bring in this kid who, as talented as he might be, has only proven himself so far in the Ukrainian league and in flashes and in spurts in the Champions League. I really like him. I want him to come to the club. I want to see what he brings to the table. I'm excited by the prospect of Mikhailo Mudrik, but I would not, I would not back the club in this if they were going to go and pay more than £70 million in the way that they did for Nicolas Pepe. 
because I was unsure about that price when it was Nicolas Pepe, who'd been doing it in Ligue 1 with France, who had been on a lot of people's radars. Mikhailo Mudrik has only really come to my knowledge in the last six months. And that's not a slight on the player. You know, I don't know everything. I'm not saying that if I don't know about him, he's no good. What I'm saying is, is that there's no way that Arsenal will look at this guy, look at his record, look at what he's done so far and feel that in excess of our previous record, so more than £72 million is a reasonable amount of money for him. And Shakhtar, forget about it. They are not going to be stupid enough, naive enough, I don't think, or I'd imagine, I'd hope, to think that they're going to get that sort of money. They want a decent fee, and I get that. They want a fee that helps them for a while. They want a fee that allows them to replace him, but also helps with their current circumstances and their current situation. And I've got no problem with that whatsoever. But my God, some of the prices I'm seeing, some of the prices I'm reading, some of the stories I'm hearing, they just feel, they just feel so far-fetched and and they just feel like they're designed to get clicks you know Arsenal locked in talks with uh, Shakhtar Donetsk talks are on the verge of breaking down because Shakhtar Donetsk will not uh, budge on their price for the play you've got to remember guys the transfer window hasn't even opened this is by no means a, a negotiation that's at the desperate stage this is by no means a negotiation that is hanging in the balance it is very early days and I promise you Arsenal will feel that they can get this guy for significantly less than what Shakhtar are saying publicly. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in the conversation. Otherwise, these conversations wouldn't be happening. Otherwise, Edu, Arteta, everybody else at the club involved in the securing of players and targets would be looking elsewhere by now, I promise you. So don't panic. We're not going to go and do a Nicolas Pepe again. Are we going to have to pay a lot? Probably. You could argue that 50 million is a lot for someone that hasn't proved himself. You could argue that 50 million is a lot of money for somebody whose only success has come in the Ukrainian league. And in, as I say, in flashes in the Champions League, you could argue that case. And I'd probably agree with you. But sometimes you have to pay over the odds. Sometimes you have to go that little bit further in order to gain that advantage and in order to convince someone that you want them, but also their club to sell them to you. I get all of that. I have, I'm not deluded enough to think that, you know, you're never going to overpay. I'm not naive enough to think that Arsenal are not going to find themselves in that situation at any point. But there is a line and there is a limit. And I think Arsenal have shown us that there is a line and a limit in the recent past uh, for them as a football club. Alexander Isak was one that I know that we inquired about. And we were told that his 90 million euro release clause was the only fee that was going to get him out of Real Sociedad. And so Arsenal walked away. You know, Arsenal probably could have got Rafinha maybe uh, from Leeds United had they acted sooner and met Leeds' initial asking price. But they had a bar as to what they were willing to pay. Now, Rafinha obviously went on to join Barcelona, the club that he always wanted to be at. But I think that if Arsenal made the right offer earlier, there was a, a conversation to be had. The point I'm trying to make is that this club now and the way they operate is very meticulous. There is a strategy in place. There is a plan in place. Yes, they will extend what they spend and, and extend their capabilities if they need to, if they feel a player is worthwhile. I think that had to happen with Ben White, but they thought it was worth it. I think it had to happen with Aaron Ramsdale. Again, they thought it was worth it. Dare I say, even with Gabriel Jesus, you know, a player who was in the going into the final year of his contract to pay what we paid for him was quite a lot of money. But Arsenal felt those players were worth it. 
I cannot believe that Arsenal feel that Mikhailo Mudrik, for example, is as ready as Gabby Jesus is or was at the time we bought him. So, you know, they will have some leeway. Nobody starts a negotiation with the maximum that they're able or willing to pay. But I don't think they're going to drift and go too far beyond what they think is reasonable for the player. And if Shakhtar dig their heels in, then this probably doesn't happen. But I, I genuinely think this is moving in the right direction. I think that the conversations are ongoing. I think that the conversations have been a lot more positive than some of the doom and gloom merchants uh, have been uh, reporting today in the press. And I think we just got to wait and see and hold fire. I've said to you time and time again, deals for January, they don't often happen in the first week. And we're not even in January yet. We're only midway through December. So I think this is, there's, you know, there's a lot of hope uh, within Arsenal Football Club that this deal gets done. And I think that Arsenal will make sure that, yeah, maybe if they, if they do have to go slightly above what they feel is reasonable, they'll make sure they're not robbed blind and they'll make sure that they will not uh, be suckered into a Nicolas Pepe 2.0 situation. Uh, so that's my take on some of the contradicting reports doing the rounds uh, today and yesterday with regards to Mikhail Mudrik. Arsenal clearly trying to make this happen. Arsenal clearly interested in the player. But some suggesting that Arsenal are going to have to break their transfer record in order to get this deal done. I think that is nonsense in my personal and honest opinion. OK, let's take it on to Yuri Tielemans. The Belgian uh, has been linked with a move to Arsenal for as long as I can bloody remember now. Um, you know, he's someone that we like. He's someone that we've looked at. Obviously, his contract situation at Leicester is quite complicated in that it's coming. His contract comes to an end uh, very, very soon. Uh, you know, what does that mean for his future? Where will he end up? Can Arsenal test Leicester City's resolve uh, as a, you know, as a result of his contract situation and try and make something out of it for us. I'm just double checking um, with the contract situation where that is exactly yet, because I remember there was talk about him potentially signing a, an additional year at Leicester City, which would complicate matters and change the whole situation. But as far as I can see, his contract expires on June 30th, 2023. So he is in his last season of contract with the Foxes. Arsenal had a price in mind in the summer. Um, Arsenal were looking at him seriously in the summer. We know that. We've heard that. We've read that. We understand that. But nothing materialised. Arsenal didn't push forward in doing this. And I think that they the reason they didn't is because they felt that if they could convince the player of the project, if they could convince the player that this is the place for him, then leaving it six months, maybe 12 months, they would be in a far stronger position and in a position to essentially go in and take the player for a, a really small amount of money. If it's at the end of the season, you pay him a, a signing on fee and you bring him in, the signing on fee tends to be significantly less than any transfer fee. But rumours and reports doing the rounds again since yesterday, claim that Arsenal are planning to launch a £20 million bid for Yuri Tielemans next month. Now, the idea of that is to go to Leicester City and say, look, you're going to lose this guy for free in six months. Here is £20 million. Take it or leave it. Arsenal must feel, if this is true, that Yuri Tielemans' acquisition and, and Yuri Tielemans being a part of the squad and, and what that brings to the squad and how that strengthens the squad going into a really key part of the season is worth an outlay of £20 million. But you've also got to think it isn't as simple. You know, some people say, well, 
What's the point in paying 20 million now when you can get him for free in the summer? Okay, but if you have to pay seven, eight million pounds in terms of a signing on fee, which could often be the case, whether that is an upfront cost or whether that is spread across his salary, you know, you're then you're only outlaying 13 million. Do you see what I mean? Then you're only paying 13 million more than you would have had to pay in the summer. So, yeah. Signing on fees are often quite significant for free agents, especially when they're sought after, especially when they're players that a lot of clubs are eyeing up. And I think that you'd probably have to pay seven, eight million pounds signing on fee to Yuri Tielemans to get him in the door. How that's divided between Tielemans, his representatives, I don't know. But in which case, if we did pay 20 now, we'd be paying 13 million essentially more to get him in ahead of the end of the season and to get him in now as things hot up. You've got to remember, right? Arsenal qualifying for the Champions League this season is huge. Financially, it is huge. It has huge implications on the football club in a positive way, of course. So the Gunners will want to double down on that. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, Arsenal sit five points clear at the top of the Premier League. Now, there's no way they don't qualify for the Champions League. Arsenal sit five points clear at the top of the Premier League. There's no way they don't achieve the season objective that was set out at the start. But it, football can work in funny ways. And I'm not saying that Arsenal are going to fall away and not make the top four. I think Arsenal stand a great chance of doing so. But Arsenal want to double down because Arsenal unexpectedly find themselves in a position where they are challenging. Whether you like it or not, they are challenging. Whether you want to admit it or not. And I found it really hard to admit that in the early stages of the season. To almost open myself up to it, to almost make myself vulnerable to the crap that comes your way if you fall out of a title race. But the reality is we're there right now at the time of recording. We are there on the 16th of December, 2022. We are there. We are in the mix. We are in the race. And if Arsenal feel that a little bit of upfront investment, that a little bit of overinvestment, i.e. paying to get a player early, is what's going to keep them in that race and it's what's going to keep them challenging right today's episode is sponsored by nerd wallet's smart money podcast nerd wallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much needed clarity in the finance world helping you make smarter decisions with your money the nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so i don't dread april every year producing a balanced budget not just for football and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Until the bitter end, then do it. Do it. I think the Cronkies, I think the club have shown us in the last couple of years that if they feel something is right, they will do it. They believe in Mikel Arteta. They believe in Edu. They believe in, in the methods, the project. Obviously, they've given Edu a sporting director role as well. Arsenal's first ever sporting director. Um, you know, you feel like they've got the backing. And, and if Arsenal are pushing for this, if Arteta and Edu and everybody else involved in player recruitment are pushing for this, then let's do it. You know, let's do it. Let's go and do it. Let's go and double down. Let's strengthen this team. I think we need a midfielder. I think we need a forward. I think we get one of each in this window. Who they will be, I'm not 100% certain, but it feels like some of the same names are being linked, which suggests that there is something to these reports. Yuri Tielemans, £20 million, if that is what Arsenal are going to offer, if that is, 
you know, it does end up being 12, 13, 14 million pounds than what we might have paid in the summer because people seem to always overlook signing on fees, which can be huge. I still think it's worth it. I really do. If Arsenal feel that that gives them the additional resources they need to push on and challenge for this Premier League title or at least consolidate a second or third place finish and therefore book their place in next season's Champions League. You will get your financial return on that investment if you achieve Champions League qualification. And that's how Arsenal have got to look at it. Sometimes you have to speculate to accumulate. You have to spend, you have to invest to reap rewards. That's how business goes a lot of the time. So, yeah, uh, that's my take uh, on the Tielemann stuff. I just wanted to bring you guys up to speed as well with... um, Charles Watts' report earlier on today in which he uh, revealed uh, some interesting news ahead of Arsenal's friendly against Juventus at Emirates Stadium tomorrow. Now, as I understand it, the game is being aired for free on Juventus TV. I don't know if the Arsenal website are showing it. I haven't seen anything that says that they are. Uh, If you want to get down there, I think there are still tickets available. I'm pretty sure I read that earlier today. Um, So, yeah, check it out. It is going to be cold. Word of warning. Yes, here he is again. It's taken me 20 minutes this time, but I'm moaning about the weather. I'm moaning about uh, the freezing cold. But yeah, it is what it is. Um, Okay, let's uh, let's go through some of that news. Let's go through some of the updates. So uh, the Gunners host the Serie A Giants at Emirates Stadium on Saturday night in their final game before the return of domestic action. Of course, Arsenal back in action on Boxing Day against West Ham United. We've obviously beaten Lyon and Milan in the Dubai Super Cup. We won the trophy too, hey. Um, But it's all about reintegrating the players that have been off at the World Cup and off on international duty. Granit Xhaka and Matt Turner are expected to return on Saturday, having spent time training with the squad in Dubai. But Aaron Ramsdale, Bukayo Saka and Gabriel Martinelli are set to sit the game out. However, as they are integrated back into the squad over the next couple of days following their respective exits from the World Cup. Tommy Asu did not go to Dubai following Japan's World Cup elimination. He spoke, didn't he, about needing some time away from football. Clearly, based on this, Arsenal gave that to him. They felt that it was the right thing. He has been back here and he has been doing some fitness work, though, at London Colney. And there is a chance that he will feature, according to Charles Watts. Um, Though the likelihood is that he will join Ramsdale, Saka and Martinelli in watching from the sidelines. Zinchenko remains a doubt while he continues to battle back from a muscular injury. William Saliba is obviously still absent. He is with France ahead of Sunday's World Cup final against Argentina. Um, So Charles Watts also goes on to say that unless behind the closed doors, friendly is staged at Colney next week, which is a possibility. Arsenal tend to do this a lot and have done it far more regularly since Mikel Arteta came in. Um, This will be the last game before the Premier League returns. So it's the last chance to get uh, some of these players back into the squad. I mean, people like Saka, people like Ramsdale, people like Martinelli, I'm not overly worried about them not playing a warm-up game. You know, they've played football matches in the last week. You know, they're not out of shape they're not out of fitness yet. Maybe they've only got 80, 70, 80 minutes in the tank as opposed to 90 when they do first return. But the World Cup is, you know, is still ongoing. These players, even the ones who exited in the round of 16, for example, as long as they've been staying sharp and fit on the training pitch, 
you know, is two, three weeks out of, of full-time action enough for you to lose so much that you can't come straight back in the team? I don't think it is. Um, you know, I'm not massively worried uh, about that, uh, about the reintegration of some of these players. They haven't been away for two, three months. They've been away for a month at best. Um, you know, some of them returned earlier than they would have liked, but they have returned. Others will come back later and and that's the way it goes, you know. It's one of those things that Mikel Arteta has to manage as a as a coach and and one of those things that I'm sure he'll manage as best as as possible. He was asked about the players coming back into the squad and how he's uh, been able to reintegrate them. He said it's been very good, especially their reactions uh, psychologically, which I think is the, the real drain. He said players were willing to come and stay in Dubai. Granite is already around the place and is desperate to start playing, so it's been really good. Happens in the summer as well when there are Euros or World Cups. You know you get the players all the time coming at different stages and we have to adapt to that. We knew it, we tried to plan it and hopefully we can have the rest of them very, very soon. Arsenal, of course, uh, have sold at the time of this article being published that between 30 and 40,000 uh, tickets, but the rail strike uh, obviously taking place this weekend has been a big problem and I can tell you that that has messed me right up as well. Um over the past few days it's been a hell getting to and from work but I am uh over the worst of it now I don't have to go anywhere tomorrow so uh, I can uh, sit and enjoy the friendly I'm not going to be at the game uh so I will be able to bring you guys uh, some reaction pretty close to the full-time whistle we can talk about it we can talk about um you know how it went what we took away from it uh, and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, looking forward to that show tomorrow. Uh, just a quick reminder before I go over to the chat box, get your questions and thoughts in, by the way, and I'll, I'll take a few of those uh, before we um, before we disappear. Um, PG Venkat says $10 to watch it on the Arsenal website. Is it? I, I wasn't even sure that this was being broadcast on the Arsenal website. Um, let's, let's have a look. Is it? I want to check that because... Um, because I knew that I saw some adverts today for the tickets, but I didn't realize that it was going to be broadcast. Is it going to be broadcast? I haven't seen that uh, anywhere, but I could be wrong. I know the games, uh, of course, against um, against Leon and, and the games against Milan were broadcast, the Dubai Super Cup ones. But is this one? I've read that you can watch it on Juventus TV for free. Um, so that's that's an option for people if they want to do that. Uh, but yeah, I don't know for sure. I'll have to check that out, that it is on the Arsenal website. In fact, I haven't seen uh, anything to say that. But yeah, OK, let's um, let's do some of your questions. Let's take some of your thoughts. But just quickly, if you haven't done so already, please leave a like on the video. There's over 330 of you with me now. Just 78 likes on the board. There's no reason why we shouldn't have a couple of hundred between now and the end of the show. And please make sure you are subscribed as well. At the time uh, we started the stream, we were 40 subs away from hitting that 25,000 milestone. What a milestone that would be as well. I said I wanted to get there by the end of the year. I thought we wouldn't make it because of um, because of the World Cup and all of that. But the last few days, the last week or so, it's been unbelievable um, how many people have joined us. Uh, so please do subscribe if you haven't already. And if you want to check out... Um, if you want to check out the uh, the membership proposition, you can do so either on YouTube or on the Another Slice platform. But a word of warning, we are going to be fully switching over to Another Slice uh, in the next uh, few weeks. So you might want to go there. Also, for those that sign up before Christmas, there is going to be a discount applied to your account that grants you 
two months free membership. So yeah, would love to have you. Okay, uh, let's see what you guys are saying in the chat. Um, a lot of you pointing out when I said that, you know, the players that have been away probably don't need a, a million uh, minutes ahead of returning, pointing out that Ramsdale hasn't played. Yeah, I, I get that. But as a goalkeeper, I, I think he'll be all right. You know, I, I really do. And I think Matt Turner actually had a really good World Cup. And I think if Matt Turner's reintegrated and has to play against West Ham, for example, I think that's the worst thing in the world. I think he's been um, okay when he's played for Arsenal of late. But I think that World Cup performance really gave me confidence in what he can do. And I think he'll be feeling really good as well. Uh, the Sox guy says, Hey, Harry, are there any links you've heard that you think have zero chance of happening? Oh, I've seen a lot. The Cristiano Ronaldo link is the one that really jumps out at me when I think of nonsense transfer links uh, with Arsenal. I'm not quite on the zero mark, but the Sergei Milinkovic-Savic one that we discussed yesterday, the more I think about it and the more I kind of look at the Italian side of it, the more I think that is far-fetched as well. Uh, but you never know because that report was not pertaining to this this upcoming window. It was with regards to the summer and a lot can happen and a lot can change in football between now and then. Uh, but those will probably be the two for me that stand out. The other one that I heard uh, a couple of days ago was Tammy Abraham uh, to Arsenal from Roma, but it was being talked about that they'd be looking for a massive fee. And I don't think Arsenal uh, are going to even entertain that. I think the, the opportunity to sign Tammy Abraham was was prior. and We didn't take it. So, yeah, let's see. Um, the man Hatton Short says, so if we do sign Mudrick, what's your lineup with him included? Well, I don't know that Mikhailo Mudrick walks straight into the starting lineup. And this is the big thing. Uh, this is the big thing. And this is another reason why I don't want Arsenal to go absolutely batshit crazy on the price. I think that when everybody's fit, we know what our best 11 is now. We've seen it. We've seen it for weeks. It's the reason that we're sitting five points uh, clear at the top of the Premier League table because, you know, it's Saliba and, and Gabriel at centre-back. It's Ramsdale in goal. It's White on the right. It's Zinchenko on the left for me. It's Partey, Xhaka, Odegaard. It's Martinelli, Saka and Jesus. That's with everyone fit. I think that Enketia plays through the middle now that Jesus is out and I don't think much else changes. I mean, could you say that Mikhailo Mudrik dislodges Gabriel Martinelli? just like that, given how good Martinelli's been this season and given how little we've seen of Mudrick and the fact that he'll probably need some adaptation time, I can't. He'd be a great asset to the squad with a view to him eventually becoming a starter. But I don't think there's any guarantee that this guy walks in and, and essentially replaces somebody else. And this is the thing with Arsenal. We've got a great 11. The, the thing we need to build now is depth and Mudrick would certainly add that. I think there's been a lot of talk about his role going forward. The fact that he's very versatile or has the capability or or the, I guess, what's the word, the potential to be moulded into a far more versatile player who can play anywhere across the front line. That's great. Uh, but let's let's see. Uh, Chris Chan says, question uh, on the Tielemans thing. Um, it's six, 20 million, he says, seems like a lot if you can get him for free in six months. Completely agree. It, when you think about it, when you hear it, it sounds a lot, right? And it sounds crazy. It sounds nuts. But the point I was making is that very often when you sign a player on a free transfer, you will pay the player or his agents in some way or shape, shape or form. Whoever it goes to, you will pay what's known as a signing on fee. 
And a signing on fee sometimes for a high profile free agent can be as much as five, six, seven million pounds. So if you're going to pay that in the summer anyway, you're not paying the total 20 million to get him early. You're paying the difference. If it's six million, you're paying essentially 14 million to get him early. And the reason that cancels out the signing on fee is because he can't get a signing on fee, not in the same nature anyway. He can get some sort of signing on bonus. But a signing on fee is something that you can only pay to a free agent. What you're doing is paying less to City instead of Yuri Tielemans. And that's why I say to you guys very often that there are a lot of players now and there will be more going forward that prefer actually to run their contracts down so that they can acquire a signing on fee and, and receive a signing on fee, I beg your pardon, as opposed to their club getting it. And that's where we are. You know, that's where we are today. So, yeah, OK, 20 million sounds a lot, but it wouldn't really be 20 million different to what you'd get him for in the summer. The the gap, the difference would be less on that premise. Uh, Gangle says, do you think we will not sign a striker in uh, January? I don't think we sign a striker. Um, I don't think that that's what we're going to do. I think we're going to try and land Mudrick and I think we're going to bring in a midfielder. And I think that will be that. I think Arsenal really do. Um, do trust in Eddie Nketiah and I think this is his time to shine. Hopefully he steps up. Um, you know, do I think he's good enough? I'm not sure yet to play as the front man for such a long period of time at such a key part in the season. I'm not sure yet. The jury's still out and I hope he proves me uh, wrong for doubting him. But this is not what I would do. This is what I think the club are going to do. That's what the question is that you're asking me. And I don't think we do sign a striker. Um at this uh, at this point, I really don't. Uh, I'm going to take one more uh, before we dive off. Um, actually, I'm going to take two more. Uh, Matt says, be honest, Harry, is there a part of you that would like us to sign Ronaldo in January purely for the amount of content he would provide? Do you know what, Matt? If you'd have asked me this three months ago, I might have said yes. But I am sick to death of the Ronaldo stuff. I've spoken about it so many times on so many different shows and so many different platforms. I'm just done with him, man. I don't want to talk about the guy anymore. I don't want to hear about the guy anymore. I don't want to see his face anymore. Um, great player, a great star of the game. One of the greatest of all time. That is without question. But he's had his day. And instead of kind of winding it down gracefully, he's doing everything to try and cause uh, all sorts of controversy and keep his name in the limelight. And that has really put me off him. It really, really has. Creamburn says, having watched uh, the World Cup, who would you have loved to see at Arsenal? Obviously, this is a hypothetical question. Aside from Lionel Messi, um, it's, it's a hard one because uh, it's been a lot of good players at the World Cup. You know, there's been a, a fair few that I've looked at and, and been pretty impressed with. Um, let me think. Let me think. A player that played at the World Cup that I would love to see at Arsenal, Kylian Mbappe. <laughs> there you go. That's your answer. I'd love to have Kylian Mbappe. I really like Chouamani as well uh, of France. I think a lot of people were worried or concerned by how he would uh, fare in the midfield, given the injuries that France have at the moment. I think he's stepped up and I think he's been brilliant. Uh, really, really like him. Uh, so that's another one, I guess. But yeah, Kylian Mbappe would be the obvious choice, uh, wouldn't he? Anyway, great stuff, guys. Uh, thank you all so, so much. Remember, leave a like on the video. Remember, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're new. If you're listening on audio, please do subscribe as well. We're going to be back tomorrow, as I say, with some more content around Arsenal's game against Juventus uh, at Emirates Stadium. 
I don't know that we can watch the game on the club website. I know people keep saying that in the chat. I do have to go away and check that. If we can, maybe we'll do a watch along, but I'm not sure that that is the case. I'll, I'll go on the website in, in just a mo uh, and see if I can find any information on that. Um, Arsenal and Juventus buy now. And when I click on it, it's just tickets for the actual game itself. Um, so, yeah, I don't know about that. Maybe I can, if I can find it somewhere else, maybe we'll do a watch along as well. Would people be up for that? Would people join that? Uh, a live watch along? We've done them for the other two friendlies. They've gone really, really well. Mint says, yes, you can. They emailed me. Okay, I haven't seen that. Um, but yeah, cool. Uh, Kebab Abdi says it's it's free on the Juve website. Do you know what? Should we do a watch along? Should we do a watch along? It'll be good, won't it? Should we do it? I'll see how it feels tomorrow. But yeah, I, do I commit here? This is the problem. If I commit to this now, I've got to do it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know what? Let's do the watch along. We'll do the watch along. Um, and then uh, we will do the review show afterwards as well. Thank you all so, so much, guys. Catch you all very, very soon. Until next time, goodbye. All the best. Bye-bye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.